Hey readers, welcome to The Club! The unfiltered book club podcast where we discuss all things fantasy, romance, pop culture, and our favorite topic, ourselves. We're your hosts, Ashlyn Clark and Katie Hoyt. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the club. I am one of your hosts, Katie Hoyt, and I am here with my bestie, my prego mama, Miss Ashley. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I hope everyone's having a great week. Um, I just had my baby showers, and I was telling Katie how excited I was that no one bought me any like mama paraphernalia. Right. And so now. That's all I'm getting called, which I feel like is rude. Yeah, but um, it's fun for me. Like, I really enjoy, like, saying, like, mama. things against my will. Yeah, like, she's prego, (laughs) and it brings me immense joy to use it, you know, ironically. What I'm nervous about is whenever I actually do have a child and I post photos of it, and you and my friends that are close to me start posting it ironically – under the captions, <laughs> I mean, in the comments, and then it will be a flood of people being very comfortable calling you. Me look so mama. good, Mama. You're doing so. You're doing great, Mama. I'm literally <laughs> nauseous. Like, please. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. Um, I have six more weeks in this pregnancy, and mm-hmm. things are going great. Um. But I do want to talk about my due date because it's like right before Christmas and it's like Mm -hmm. a couple days before or after the the December episode comes out, right? After, yeah. Just a few days. Just a few days after. So we might have to record that one early. But this was like supposed to be like the most special, beloved, like, (laughs) you know, original day (laughs) and all about me. And somehow um, my sweet co-host has taken it for herself. Do you want to expand upon what I could be alluding to? Uh, Okay. So unfortunately, but fortunately, we are going to be closing on our house on Ashlyn's due date. So like, don't forget, nobody's going to forget. Like these two monumental days in our lives, um, one arguably more important than the other. But no one's going to forget. Hundred (laughs) percent. So yeah, it just kind of worked out that way. And it's so funny because this whole time we've been building, they've been like, Yeah, we're gonna get you in before Christmas. It's gonna be before Christmas, which we have doubted several times because they have seemed to fall behind. But by God, they're getting us in before Christmas because that is the last business day before Christmas. And it um, just so happened to fall on your due date. So I do apologize, but like, it's okay. I'll be damned if I ain't in by Christmas. I took it hard at first. (laughs) Um, The thing with Katie though is like, she is paralyzed by the act of moving. Like it just takes everything out of her. Yeah. So they will not be in until January. (laughs) Yeah. Like I took the whole next week off so that we can slowly move in because like, if you know us personally, we've moved like, a lot and not just because Ashlyn has also moved a lot but ours has been like moving cities quite a bit um somewhat against my will but it is what it is and so these are like larger scale moves where you have to move everything all at once and there's like the selling of the house is involved and so 
you have kind of like a yeah, hard. That's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dates that you have to be in and that you have to be out, and so, like Ashlyn said, it takes everything out of me. But this time. I don't have to like be out of anywhere by a specific date and I don't have to be in anywhere by a specific date. So this one's a little bit more relaxed and therefore that's kind of like a bad thing for me. Like I need that hard and fast deadline. You need the deadline. Yeah. Yes. To kind of like motivate me. But yeah, that, that is my big update. So as of today, as of recording date, we have like five and a half weeks until we close on our house and oh yeah that's so exciting i feel like even though you don't have a hard and fast deadline just the prospect of being able to get out of y'all's parents house and out of living separately and like splitting time with mm-hmm. y'all's dog will yeah. get y'all in quicker than you think oh 100% that's what we were even saying like it was like you know we could get like an air mattress and sleep on that in our he was like we could set up the air mattress in our living room so that we could wake up there on christmas day i was like well, we could put the air mattress in the bedroom. You know, we don't have to sleep in the normal spot. We don't have to sleep in the living room. We wake up with the tree but, in the living room. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and he was like, we could get like a baby tree and just put it in the living room and have Christmas breakfast there. That's kind of like our thing that we always do. So we're, we've kind of been throwing around the idea. But then also since we're moving into the house we are not really like going to go all out for Christmas this year because we obviously are going to be, you know, spending quite a bit of money at that time. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to figure it out, but it it was such a relief. We don't really do like holiday gifts, like birthday, Christmas, anniversary. We'd rather just like buy the shit that we want throughout the year. 100%. And if we can, we like to do trips. This year, the trip is actually not happening for obvious reasons, but it is nice because I actually need stuff this year because of the baby. Totally. So like whenever my family asks me what I need, I'm like, oh, perfect. I need milk storage bags. <laughs> like yes. just like actually useful shit instead of racking up on stuff I really don't want or need. And I just like oh told them gosh. to buy me because I felt like I needed them, like, you know, I could open something at their house or whatever. So that's yes. kind of nice, at least. And that's but. that's so interesting because I feel like growing up, like you expect so many presents, like as a child, and then your parents are like, "Oh, I don't care about gifts." And I remember th- being a child and being like, "That'll never be me. I'll never not care about <laughs> gifts." But it's like you really get to a point where you don't need anything; you have everything, yeah. and so it's more of a burden on your family members to try and think of a gift to get you and have to spend the money and all of that. I've been trying to convince Hoyt's family for years to like, can we please just go on a trip? I don't want to. Yeah. It's it's so much more fun. Yes. And it gift buying is more the mental aspect of like having to try and figure out what to get somebody. I don't care about the financial. That's whatever. If you send me a link, that's great. But having to think of what to buy you, that's torture to me. It's, (laughs) actually torture and the other thing is like sibling to sibling gifts Mm. look about how not necessary it is because so I have let's see there's five of us on my dad's side and then everyone has a significant other Mm -hmm. so we all enter into like this like pool and then we draw names and I'm like yeah did we send a link I'm like how about we all just keep our 40 bucks and no one has to follow a link. No one has to hope they're getting the right thing. Like, 
It yes. just, no one has to worry about it. But I mean, it is fun to have things to open. And like, sometimes you just forget what you said. Yeah. So then you're surprised and you still need the thing. But hundred percent. I don't know. I, I just feel like not doing it at all would make more, <laughs> make a lot more sense. Yeah, totally. But we're probably going to have a small tree again this year too, because we just moved into a new apartment, which I thought on our last recording I had talked about, but I guess I hadn't, but we moved out of our small house that we just moved into in June <laughs> in on the last week of October. So that was mm-hmm. kind of a whirlwind, which we needed to get out of there anyways. We didn't like it. And there was just like a yeah. ton of problems with it. So it wasn't, I don't know. We were looking for something different, but we did not expect to have to move in June. And then now. Yeah. And then again next June. So um, yeah. that's been keeping me busy at least yeah I, that's what we were talking about before this like you were like I can't believe I didn't even say anything about this on the last podcast but it really did kind of come up uh, not abruptly because I feel like when we recorded the last one you knew that that was going to happen but I think maybe y'all hadn't like started prospecting yeah, places yet we had asked our landlord at our old house to get out of the lease in August like two months in we were like we kind of want out you know whatever yeah and he was he was willing to work with us because we had given like a pretty good down payment, like a, over a month's worth of rent. Yeah. And if I can find someone to move into the house, I'll give that back to you, you know, even though you're breaking the lease mm-hmm. or whatever. So then he texts us like two weeks into October and was like, October can be y'all's last month if you can find somewhere to go. So mm. we had two weeks to find somewhere, which was, it felt stressful at the time, but honestly, it was plenty of time. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, like we weren't moving cities. So we just kind of took our three days of getting shit moved from yeah. one place to another, just like via our cars and stuff. So it wasn't yeah. bad. We only had to get the U-Haul for like a couple hours and then it was fine. But Yeah. And then now you are settled in at the new place. And- yes. And we just got the nursery set up because we had the showers this weekend. So I kind of got... I feel like I got almost everything I need for the nursery. And then there's a, I have a couple more packages coming in for like decor and stuff, but everything else I need is like in there. So mm-hmm. this is like really exciting because our other house, we weren't going to be able to really have a nursery. We had just like a separate room, but the rooms were so small that one of our like dressers and closets was already like, that was already in there. Yeah. This is like just the baby room. So that's kind of, that's going to be kind of fun to have. Oh, well, I'm very happy for you guys. I know that the, uh, the last house was a less than ideal situation. Ooh. So we're happy. <laughs> yeah. So we're for happy anyone, to be out of that. anyone wondering what we're, um, like dancing around, we found mold in our house. Um, <laughs> and that was like sort of my last straw. So, <laughs> but that, the good thing is that's what finally got us out of our lease because we had AC issues. We had a bunch of problems with like the, um, the like smell of the house almost it was like really weird and like jake and i both felt really sick for like two months straight and we couldn't figure out why and then all of a sudden we just found all this mold and i was like okay let's get the fuck out of here before anything gets worse so it even though it was like kind of traumatizing it worked out for the best (laughs) yeah no you were um you were struggling there for a little bit it was yeah it was it was not great but (laughs) it was bad Nevertheless, she persisted. And now she got a nicer place that doesn't stink and it doesn't have mold. And so, look, that's that's what persistence gets you. Like, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. persistence is key. Key. Um, so this episode obviously is about a court of frost and starlight, like the smallest, tiniest baby version of the Akatar books that there is. And so we kind of wanted to start with like some pop culture discussions. We haven't got to really do that very often mm-hmm. because we run our mouths about these books for so long. <laughs> and then we'll dive into the episode. Yep. And I want to let Katie start because there is something that she really wants to bring up. <laughs> okay. So as of this time of recording, um, last weekend, we had kind of like a monumental pop culture moment that to me, like if you are a toaster – and I've, I want to say something. I've posted a couple times like on our stories, if you're a toaster – um, and if you're a toaster, you know what I mean. But when I say that I'm talking about the toast podcast, Ashlyn and I are, we listen to like every single episode. And so, um, Claudia, one of the hosts, she posted and said that like, this is going to be like a, you remember where you were when this happened. And this is a cultural reset. Yeah. hundred percent. So what I want to talk about is, the Taylor Swift concert in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and she says, Karma is the guy on the Chiefs coming straight home to me. And I have yet to ask Ashlyn her thoughts on the situation. So that's what I'm doing now. So what did you think about that? Okay. I – now that I've been working, I'm chronically – online like I don't miss <laughs> things that happen I also have two friends that were at that concert in Argentina and so they had been filming or whatever I don't know if they were at that one but they went to two of the nights in Argentina okay so I was like very privy to what was going on and it happened like right before well I don't know what the time line was like but it happened I went to bed I woke up I probably had 20 notifications <laughs> on my phone regarding this. Mm-hmm. I, okay, so I loved it. Yeah. I think Travis is so motherfucking fine. Yeah, same. And I'm so excited for them, but I was 100% in the camp that they were not actually together until, mm. obviously, whenever she started going to the Chiefs games or whatever, like the first game I was like, Okay, this is like not really like I don't really see this. And then as it has progressed, I'm like, oh, they're like together. Like together, yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's I had crazy. the I had the exact same kind of path when these rumors were swirling. I was like, they're not together. Like this is all yeah, I was just like no way. It's just rumored. And it's like you, that first Chiefs game she was at, I was like, I don't know. Like, maybe they're just hanging out. But this could all just be like a PR type situation. No, like, I am obsessed with them. (laughs) Like, when I very first saw this video, we had been at a wedding. I think it happened on Saturday. We had been at a wedding Saturday. And so we got back late and I saw the video. And I was like, this is everything to me. Like, this means everything to me. And then there was the video, him doing like the ole, 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 ole. Did you see that yeah. one? Mm-hmm. Okay. That one, obsessed. And Taylor's dad videoing him. I and know. Then, Taylor's dad. And then the the POV of him when she said it. Oh, my God. That video, I prefer the video of his reaction to it. I agree. 
because well i also saw did you see the one of her background dancers reaction of it because they didn't know she was gonna say it no and they're all <gasps> on stage like dancing with her and they all just like look at each other and their jaws drop because they couldn't believe I have to find like, that. I, she did not run this by one person she just okay i have <laughs> to i love that for her like she was like surprise babe like you came yes. all this way to see me i have to find yeah. that video but then the after the show, when she runs and kisses him, I've probably watched that video, I swear to God, 50 times just to. She <laughs> is smitten. Yeah, and 100%. I saw, I saw this TikTok about how she like historically has dated very, what do they call it? Skinny neck men? <laughs> oh my God. And this is. <laughs> And this is her first thick-necked man. Shut up. <laughs> and I know that people know what I'm talking about. Like, uh -huh. just the overall, like, manliness of this man. And he's huge compared to her. Yeah. I thought she's usually having more flats, you know? And now she's like, mm -hmm. he's towering over her. He's massive. He's so manly. And mm. he's also, like, really well-known for like his own reasons before this all happened. Yeah. As much as the Swifties like love to pretend that she put him on the map. I mean, I remember when he was on E! News for like catching Kelsey or whatever. <laughs> right. so, I don't know. I feel like it's a good match, but I, if, if anyone listens to the toast, you already have heard this take from Claudia. I think the reason why I just didn't believe that they were together is because he wasn't saying anything about it because he was respecting her as a person Mm -hmm. who usually enjoys her privacy. And for yeah. her to throw that out the window, like I feel like she's very, very confident in their relationship now. I No, I completely agree. And this is what I've said from the beginning. Like after the Joe situation, I felt like Taylor was in her prom. Like she's going out to dinner and she's being seen like out and about around town. And now I think she's just like, fuck it. Like this is my life and I'm going to live it and I'm going to do what I want to do. And I feel like, like, I know it's, it gets so overused, like, in her whatever era, but, like, I feel like she's in her thriving era. Like, I genuinely feel like this is the best, the best yeah, Taylor era, is, in my opinion. It has to be, because I feel like she had one that was similar to this before the original 1989 came out, whenever she's with the, girl, the girls all the I'm time. I'm podcasting. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Apologies, my... Stinky brother-in-law just came <laughs> downstairs. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Ash. What, what were you saying? So <laughs> I feel like she had a similar era whenever she was – or prior to the original 1989 release, whenever she was all, mm -hmm. all the girls, like all the model girls all the time. Yeah. But this is more like – it doesn't feel as staged. Like, she's not walking around with 12 supermodels. She's yeah. just, like, hanging out with her friends in New York every night and going and traveling for the games. It feels fun to me. I'm excited yeah. for her. I just like no, seeing I her so much. Uh, we haven't seen her, like, on the scene in so long. Yes. yes. I'm living for that. Like, I just love knowing what the bitch is doing. I love waking up every day and – and Taylor's on the front of Daily Mail. Like, I live exactly. for it. And like you said, it doesn't feel as, like, forced in the stage and as, like, PR-centric as the pre the 1989 original 
um, the, what do they call it? Like the stolen version, whatever. It doesn't <laughs> feel like that era. This just feels like fun and fast and free, Taylor. And it it means everything to me. Like people and complain about exciting. the toast, talking about Taylor every day. That's what I want. That's why I listen to the toast. It's is why I tune in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just to hear so up, anyway, up, I've already seen on TikTok and Facebook and right. Instagram, but I still want to discuss. 100%. I want to listen to my girls, my girly swirlies discuss. I want to hear what they have to say. Exactly. exactly. Um, so that's the like the biggest pop culture thing that's happened probably in 2023. Like yeah, 100%. <laughs> biggest thing to happen to the NFL maybe ever. Yeah. Um, and biggest thing to happen to me personally in a few months. Yeah. So no, I'm glad that we got to talk that. about it. Um, yep. In the realm of like reality or like not reality, but like pop culture, Hannah Brown from The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I don't mm-hmm. know when she – it was like a long time ago, a couple of years ago. Yeah. She was The Bachelorette. She's from Alabama. So everyone, mm-hmm. you know, was talking about it. And so I like got – that's the first time I ever watched The Bachelorette, which actually was a mm-hmm. really fucking good season. So I'm happy that yeah. I did. But <laughs> – she has come out with a new romance book. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is kind of random, but I know that a lot of people are like kind of venturing out into the author world, but she has yeah. written some sort of like autobiography before that my sister has written. She said it was actually pretty good. So she believes that this would be good. Um, yeah. It comes out in May though. So like TBD, I don't think this is going to be like an episode type of book. But no. <laughs> what I wanted to say, <clears throat> excuse me, what I wanted to say is that she came out with a statement <gasps> about her book that said it was something that she thinks that Emily Henry would be proud of. Okay. Now, She's that was bold of her to say that, and I just want to say, we will be the fucking judge of that, right? You cannot just come out here on your debut romance novel spewing some shit like Emily Henry approves, mm. unless you have that in writing, which I don't think she does. No, I doubt she does. But that's like a bold, like that was a ballsy claim. Yeah. It, because we, as everyone knows, like Emily Henry is our queen, right? Right. You can't just go putting words in her mouth like that. <laughs> no, especially and- if you're, like you need to let us actually give you good feedback on it before you say, right? Because imagine like it comes out and the book is awful, and then she has to live with the embarrassment of thinking that Emily Henry, the queen <laughs> of rom coms, would, would like it, right? Yeah. Exactly. It, honestly, the comment feels thirsty to me. Like she was just like fishing yeah, she was for like, something. How do I get people who read romance to see my headline? Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. And I'm not anti-Hannah. Like I'm pretty sure I follow her on Instagram. I'm happy for her. Yeah. But you can't just go around spewing shit like that without <laughs> evidence. And that's someone, if there's anyone on here who's like a hacker, if y'all could drop the PDF whatever you because <laughs> i'm not buying this shit <laughs> i know it is worth it right right no no no. she's gonna have to get at least like five thousand goodreads reviews before i will consider um reading this book yeah because 
And not just the star reviews because she's going to have a four. Like everyone's going to give her 3.5 or four stars and she'll end up right. having an average. But the reviews, like the actual comments, will be able to to kind of siph- <laughs> siphon. What's it called? Sift through? Sift, yes. Correct. Sift through correct, them correct. and decide what you think. So I'm, I am very curious about this. Um, a few of my very close friends are like big Hannah Brown girls and like worship her. I have never been into The Bachelor. Um, I know just kind of like the really big players. I know Hannah Brown. I know Maddie Prue. I know the one that that was get, is gay now, Colton. Um, I know kind of like the heavy hitters, but I really don't get into The Bachelor realm of things. So as like an outsider, I'm, I am willing to give it a chance, especially if she has written a book before and she's gone through like the editing and publishing process. She at least has like a leg up in that regard, but we'll just yeah, have it seems to like see. she has, and she has like, like the um, cover art is really cute. Yeah, it is. So I feel like she did, she did it the right way. She didn't just decide that she was good enough and self-publish and like whatever. So yeah. I think that this, will be good but again like i probably will try to find the pdf before i actually pay 26 dollars shut up okay <laughs> Which i haven't looked on kindle that's just like the the hard fact 26.49 at target no i won't be <laughs> purchasing that um so i have like a pretty good segue if we are finished with all of our pop culture items that we had to discuss I think, yeah i think those were our only two big topics Okay, so what we'll talk about next is what we are currently reading, what we have been reading, and I'm truly, I am beating a dead horse, and I'm completely aware of that, so I will be brief, but speaking of spending a lot of money on a book that is not worth it, I have to bring up Evelyn Hugo again, because it was $15 for the Kindle version of the book. And I thought for sure for Evelyn Hugo, this, yes, I thought for sure like this book is so hyped up. Everybody says it's worth it. I had no issue with purchasing it. The way it was the biggest waste of money. I have heard so many people say this. So many people like, if you like the type of book that we like, I don't think that Evelyn Hugo is in like your realm of. No, Interest. it certainly isn't, isn't it by Taylor Jenkins Reid, who also wrote Daisy Jones and Malibu Rising and all that. That's correct. And so, what I wanted to say is, like the DMs that we got after I posted that, I posted some of the responses that we got. There were even more, and even like messages after that, where people were just like absolutely obliterating this book. But people were saying, like, I don't even like Taylor Jenkins Reid. Like, she doesn't have good characters. I don't like oh, anything that she's written. Um, and so, yeah, it it was just truly like a, a terrible experience. But speaking of Goodreads reviews, okay, this is kind of like hypocritical for me to say, but if you go <laughs> on Goodreads and you click on like the one-star reviews and you read them, if you look at the comments in response to the one-star reviews, people are laying down their lives to defend this book. Oh, no. Like, you just don't understand. Like, you obviously missed the point of the entire plot if you didn't understand that this is what she meant, blah, blah, blah. People are taking bullets 
for this book. And I'm so sorry. Like, this is why I'm a hypocrite because I'm getting so worked up and like wrapped up in the fact that it was a miserable experience for me. And yeah, then... you're, you're fighting on the opposite team right now, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. did, did you DNF it or did you actually finish? No, I finished it because I paid 15 fucking dollars <laughs> for the book. So, so I was going to finish it. My sister also finished it and we lived together at that time and she had the hardback or paperback mm-hmm. or whatever. And that was like, you know, back in its heyday, its promise was like over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And she was like, literally don't fucking start it. It's not – you're not going to finish it. It's not good. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know how it got so popular. Are they not – are they doing a movie or like a show about it? I would not be surprised if they did at all, but I have to agree. And there were a couple times – like a couple people did DM and say, get to 50%. I promise it picks up or there are some interesting thoughts. And there were – there were two parts in the book where I thought – okay, uh, this is, it feels like this is kind of turning around, but, um, that they were, they were brief. I mean, it only picked up for a couple paragraphs or a couple pages. And then I was right back to just like the shit storm that is Evelyn Hugo. (laughs) Well, so it looks like they are getting a Netflix movie. Okay. I won't be watching it. No, no chance. I can't. The amount of fucking time that I wasted on reading and watching Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, my God. (laughs) You can't convince me that these viral books are, like, ever worth my time. Like, ever again. Yeah. I fell into that little trap with that one. And there was another one that I read that was, like, really popular. And I just thought it was ass. I can't remember what it was now. Um, Oh. um, Yeah, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Like, Yeah. Y'all quit recommending these trash ass books. What's I wrong swear to with God, y'all? People will tell you that a book is good because someone told them that the book was good, and then like they read it and they have no like ability to decipher information no, on their that own. Is so true. And they're I just like I it was so good. You. Yeah, I think I told you one time I was like, this is back when I was like really big on my Instagram story, updating all my book, my books, and like mm-hmm. my progress and I had gotten like halfway through where the crawdads sing and I was like I'm just like not really vibing I don't you know I'm just like not really that great and some girl was like you just have to like you need to google what the area looks like so that you can like picture it better like the mall Mm. I'm very aware of what a marsh I know what a palmetto is like (laughs) the amount of fucking times I had to read the word palmetto I I know. <laughs> right. Like that's not the problem here. No. <laughs> also, you still live in Florida. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I am pretty familiar. Yeah, I just yeah. I think that that and I really do stand by that like every book has a time and a place. I've read terrible books, but that's what I was wanting to read at the time. So I can't really like drag the book it was what it was and that's sometimes that's just what you need I'm sorry nobody needs Evelyn Hugo the story was awful the characters there was not one good character in the entire book and I just I have to just stand by that I'm so sorry like yeah I know that people liked it and people have different interests than me and I I really think because it's very like old Hollywood focused and like celebrity focused. I know that we talk about pop culture, but like 
realistically, that's not really my vibe. I'm just kind of not into it. So if that is your vibe, especially the old Hollywood shit, you might like it. But otherwise, I'm sorry. Like I, it's it. No. Yeah. If you're actually interested in like recent pop culture, I have some recommendations for you that are not books, but that are podcasts <laughs> that are much better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like don't yeah. waste your time reading about fake people in a fake version of old Hollywood when you could read about real celebrities doing real fucked up yeah. shit. Yeah. No, I completely, I completely agree. I'd much rather spend my time listening to um, like the blind items about Oh my God, Beyond the Blinds is the best. If if you are on this podcast and you have never heard of or listened to Beyond the Blinds, just please do it. The, the podcast <laughs> is like just these two people like recording like us in their living rooms. It's not anything super like insane publication or like, mm-hmm. you know, video whatever but it is some of the most insane shit i've ever heard in my life about mm-hmm. you know everyday pop culture icons like taylor swift mm-hmm. has like three episodes it is so good um but yeah. that's what that is what we as a society of young women should be focusing on and not mm-hmm. pretending that these books are good yeah no i i could not agree have you more. read so anyway, any books that are actually good recently like oh my god i have read i actually have read a lot of books recently so we i meant to touch on this earlier but my company had like a big issue with our network we like got hacked and um i was actually not working for like three weeks because i just didn't have access to a computer therefore i spent all of my time reading so some of my best reads. I think I've read like 13 books in the last three weeks. Um, some of the really good ones I did, it happened one summer and then there's a, a book two of that series. That was great. The Haunting Adeline series was fantastic. Oh my God, you are so brave. <laughs> I know. I really didn't think that I could do it. And like, even when I started getting into the book, I was nervous about it but I persisted and I'm extremely happy that I did like once you kind of get comfortable and get settled in it it's not that bad if you've never read like a dark romance before once you get settled in you'll be okay but um yeah I, I, my biggest advice is like please read and take seriously the trigger warnings because like she's not she's not just like being silly like they're they're very real so yeah, um, I tried to read a dark romance and it had trigger warnings and I read them and I got about maybe eight chapters in. And I was like, no, I really can't do it. Like I thought mm-mm. I could, but I haven't, it wasn't haunting Adeline though. So I feel like I could still try it out, just give it a go, but yeah. I'm still scared. I'm just, I'm almost like burned from the other one because I thought I was a type of way and I'm just not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually well, have that in me. Yeah, no, I don't know. I think if if you are a um like a true crime girly, I honestly think you could do Haunting Adeline for real. I think that you would be okay with it. So just please like read the trigger warnings and protect. Like she says, your mental health is so important. And like truly, I I think everybody's experience watched a TV show or something and it triggered you and then like you just feel icky like please don't do that to yourself and in all seriousness I know that we like fuck around on this podcast but I'm being serious like <laughs> protect yourself um 
Okay. Other Good Reads, Love and Other Words by Christina Lauren. So good. It's a romance. It was so sweet. Um, I also read Iron Flame. And obviously, everybody needs to read that. Yes. Yeah. out now. Um, those are just a few of them, but I, I have read a ton over the last few weeks. So Yo, I would get on my Snapchat just to like mind my business on my little work breaks. And Katie would be like posted up on the couch reading a book at 2 p.m. No, literally. And I would be so fucking jealous. My entire list of books that I have read in the time that we recorded include the one we're podcasting about. Um, <laughs> about eight chapters of... From Blood and Ash, which I did pick back up because mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe I can read those during maternity leave, but I don't actually know if I will finish. Um, yeah. I forgot how good it was. Like, it's actually so good. Okay. Um, and now I have interrupted that and started Iron Flame because I genuinely could not wait. Like, I got uh, – we ordered ours from, like, a local bookshop. We got it the day it came out. But I still had – a couple of chapters, I think, left of Frost and Starlight in my work schedule right now is just absolute trash. So my work, mm-hmm. my my reading time is like the 30 minutes before bed. So it took me a couple of <laughs> nights. It took me a couple of nights to finish <laughs> Frost and Starlight and then I was ready and bitch, it starts off with a bang, I feel like. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm only in chapter four, so it's not like I can really say yay or nay on the book yet, but I just have right. a feeling like fourth wing was so good that this book has to be it the second book is never the worst book in the series yeah we i have been chatting away in my dms with so many people or just like people texting me to talk about it because since i finished it people have just been like updating me as they go yeah there's a lot to say and like ash you need to finish it soon because you're going to get spoiled like don't get on the club no i can't instagram I can't get on TikTok right now, which my TikTok is weird with the amount of shit. Like, my life is so multifaceted. I have breastfeeding TikTok. I have um, <laughs> medical TikTok. I have book talk. And I have pop culture Taylor Swift TikTok. And then I just have mm-hmm. my, like, bullshit for you page. So yeah. there's just so many things. But, like, randomly I'll just be scrolling and there will be – a spoiler with no spoiler warning. And I have to just scroll really quickly. Yeah. Because y'all are so motherfucking quick. This yeah. just came out last week. I've got to give yeah. us one second. Like, just give us a second to breathe. Yeah. No, you you got to get through it because, like, yeah. you're going to get spoiled. And there's a lot. I've already no, been seeing so much. And the fact that I feel like the book um, – like a lot of places were selling it early and so people got access to it earlier yes, so they so really true. beat us yeah. to the punch yeah so also i do need to, to talk i don't i want to just bring this up will you turn your camera off for two seconds so that i don't get spoiled by a facial expression yeah hang on okay give me one second <laughs> so there was okay. a interview there was an interview with rebecca yaros um and i don't remember what it was for, but it was like some big interview in front of like a crowd. And she said that there was a line in the book that is going to either people are going to love or they're going to hate. And the line is, I reach for Dane's belt buckle. And <laughs> I have no choice but to believe that that is either from someone else's point of view 
or he's dead and she has to get something out of his, I don't know, off of his belt. I don't know. What would he have on there? A sword? I'm not sure. But in no reality do I want that line to come across my page. Like, I do not want to hear it. I don't want to see it. As we discussed, if you haven't listened to the fourth wing episode and you want to read it, I mean, and you and you have read it, go back and listen. But like, as we discussed, we don't support him here. And I don't want to, I don't want to be challenged on that opinion. Sometimes I like to be convinced about like the, the villain or like whatever. In this situation, I'm not ready. Okay. So I turned my camera back on because I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like I genuinely, I never registered that line if it happened. Okay. So amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I have literally no idea what you're talking about. So um, I didn't see that either because I tend to stay off of Rebecca Yaris's um, thing because she'll post like even, I don't want to say even one line. And, um, yeah, I just, I tend to stay off of her Instagram, but we also have. Well, that had... makes me feel a lot better, actually, because I was really worried about where that okay. was going to go. However, I did, there's lots of things to discuss, um, but we'll just have to wait until after you finish the book. Yeah. There's one la- final thing that I want to say, and that was that I posted that video of her doing like the pronunciations of no, the characters. I, she's wrong. And then there's backlash because the people who like actually do like the Gaelic, they're saying, no, that's not the correct pronunciation. And so this is my thought. There are two camps. There's a camp of... She needs to honor like the act. Like if you're going to take this language and take words and names and phrases, whatever, from this language, like you need to do it correctly, and you also need to know how to pronounce those things. That's therefore, the camp I live like, in. Okay, therefore, that is how these characters' names are pronounced. There's the other camp that is no, she's the author. So realistically, if she is saying the name, however she says it is the way that it's pronounced. And my favorite um, kind of like comparison is the name Mila or Mila, M-I-L-A. It's kind of up to the mother whether you pronounce it Mila or Mila. <laughs> so whatever the mom says goes, and Rebecca is obviously the mother in this instance. So there's there's two camps, and you can live in either camp. Regardless, I'm going to say it how I say it in my head. And they're like, yeah, I'm on my reread. This would be my fourth. So my ninth time reading this book or reading the name Reese and saying it right mm-hmm. in my head. I will never fix it. <laughs> and so because the girl that does speak Scottish Gaelic came on TikTok and it pronounced all the words in her language and we're all going mm-hmm. along with it and you never rebuttaled until your second book. It's too late. My mind is saying yeah. it how it's saying it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like I'm I won't be adapting. Um <laughs> but also regard like I won't be adapting either way. Like if if the mm-hmm. way I said it was wrong even to the Scottish girl it's still not changing. <laughs> like this is how we all have our own little, you know, 
universe yeah. of this. Unless you read audiobooks, yep. then you probably, you know, are very much on board with what oh, Rebecca's yeah. saying. That's a very good point. Um, I do tend to side with the audiobook girlies because you have to imagine that the author signed off on however they're pr- they're pronouncing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, not me. I will in this specific instance, I will be saying it the way that I have just been saying it in my head, and that's that. I'm sorry. We, we'll just have to. Agree that's to how disagree. I am about every single book I've ever read. Like I'm not going to be saying Manon. Like her name is Manon. Bitch. <laughs> Oh my god! I need. I hate it, Ashlyn. The number of times that we've talked about Throne of Glass on this podcast, and like we kind of not even because because first of all, like we're probably spoiling things for people, and um, also like we're not covering those books. Yeah, but I do really have I need people to read Throne of Glass. Like before you come in RDMs, please have read Throne of Glass because I'm going to reference things and you need to be able to understand them and not be spoiled by them. I find Throne of Glass to be the blueprint. It has I would a have, reference I would agree. for everything. It is mm-hmm. so extensive. And there, it's just like perfect. I just, I never want to read it again though. Like I, it was I'm, such an I'm, emotional whirlwind that I, I'm kind of one and done. Like yeah, I don't think I could no, do it again. I completely agree. Um, but everyone should read it. So, okay. I think 47 minutes in, maybe we should we dive into the book? To the book. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, so we've done our author biography several episodes ago. So, Ash, do you want to read our book synopsis? Yes. Okay, so Pharaoh Resand and their friends are still busy rebuilding Night Court and the vastly altered world beyond, recovering from the war that changed everything. But winter solstice is finally approaching, and with it, the joy of a hard-earned reprieve. Yet, even the festive atmosphere can't keep the shadows from the past from looming. As Feyre navigates her winter solstice as High Lady, her concern for those dearest to her deepens. They have more wounds than she anticipated, scars that will have far-reaching impacts on the future of their court. Bridging the events of A Court of Wings and Ruin with the later books in the series, A Court of Frost and Starlight explores the far-reaching effects of a devastating war and the fierce love between friends. Okay. That Which was I feel great. like is accurate. I feel like it's very – this one's like a very sweet, sentimental, almost Christmassy mm-hmm. book. And I think yeah. I read it the first time during – the holiday season. So I was like very into like that kind of vibe, kind of cozy. No, that's perfect. Um, yeah, I think that that last little bit, the bridging the events of Court of Wings and Ruin, obviously Ashlyn and I have read the next book. So it makes a lot more sense. But just the thing about this book is that it's very low stakes. There's no real issues or problems to solve. It's kind of just setting you up for the next book but let's go ahead and get into our character lineup I love this because um I have not looked to see what you wrote about the character so we'll actually be getting yeah this is like a blind I will be yeah I'll be getting like a blind um reveal of what it is you have to say so let's start with our main character character 
character, Feyre. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you think about Feyre in this book? Feyre in this book, I I like her. I've always liked her, but I have liked her more on prior Mm -hmm. books. I feel like she kind of is losing her spark a little bit and not necessarily her spark. Bar- I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say, but like she's spread so thin. She's yeah. like, she wants to still be involved in the the war stuff and like rebuilding the continent. She still wants to be involved mm-hmm. in the estate and she still wants to be like involved in Nesta and Elaine's lives. And then she doesn't, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like, and then she decides that she's going to be a painter again and all this stuff. And I feel like she doesn't have like a real purpose in this one. No, I completely agree. She is just like carrying the weight of so much, just like her goings on now, but then also kind of like the pain and agony from what's left over with the war, specifically like with Nesta and and even with Lucian and just the stuff that's going on. Like you said, she's spread thin and that kind of doesn't allow her to have like the thing that makes her so great and wonderful in this book. Yes. I feel like she was like tenacious in the other ones. She had like, this is the war. This is my actual job to do. And she doesn't really have that now. I'm very happy that the war is over, obviously. But yeah, she kind of needed that drive and that direction. And Mm -hmm. she doesn't have it anymore. So that was kind of weird experiencing that for me because I'm such a favorite girl that I like yeah. love her to be the best and it was yeah. kind of weird for her to not be but I still obviously liked her. Yeah, I agree. Um and the first time I read this, I uh, I've said so many times that I hate the painting shit that it gets on my nerves. The first time I read this, it was so just like I roll I hated it, but honestly this time I feel like her story, like she and Reese, I feel like it has kind of simmered. Like it's it's time to like retire. Like they're in their retirement era. Like they are just here to I actually totally agree <laughs> and have fun and just do whatever it is that they want to do. And now yeah. she is. They're talking about having a baby, and I hated the baby thing in the first one. But now I'm like, well. Why not? Like, I feel like that's what's You're next like, what for else them. are they going to do? Yeah. I'm, I still don't like the pregnancy trope as much. I mean, obviously, she's not pregnant in this book, but, like, it's looming. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, like, love it. Even as a pregnant person, I'm just like, this is kind of lame. But yeah, uh, the painting thing, I, I liked that she like, found that again. And it, like I said, these bitches need therapy, and this is her version of that. And so <laughs> – I'm glad that she has an outlet and the painting didn't bother me so much as the amount of times she described a painting she would do about something in her head. It was so concentrated in this one. Yeah. She probably did it more times in this little 200 page book than she has in all of the ones prior combined. And I was just tired of hearing it. No, I completely agree. And like you said, I am happy for her. I'm glad that she – has this outlet for herself and kind of in that same vein, she referenced the thing with the weaver and the tapestry. Like you have to keep going. This is my thing. Like I, if I didn't keep going and keep doing this, she referenced that so many times. Yeah. And the weaver. And I'm like I was thinking about growing, the weaver weaver. 
I know, same. Every we, time I read would. it, I was like, wait, <laughs> no, that bitch is dead. Make um, sure. Yes, my queen. Um, but yeah, though there were just some things that were like a little bit repetitive. But like overall, I don't have any like complaints about Favra in this book. I think that this really was like it was time. And again, this is like a a second time, a second pass through this series. And my perspective has definitely shifted. But I think now I can see where Sarah J. Mass was going with it. Like I just feel like Reese and Feyre are in their like next life era. And she kind of just sets yeah. it up. Yeah, I agree. I feel like she's setting them up to do their little happily ever after thing. I did think it was cool that Feyre, um is now embarking on this new journey of having a house and mm-hmm. doing that because then everyone will – I'm hoping that, like, everyone will fit and be together more. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. That's pretty much it for her. Um, I don't really have much else to say. I agree with you. Yeah. The only other little, like, little tidbits. Um, I love her and Cassian being drunk and decorating the house <laughs> poorly for Solstice. And it looks like shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny and then um the one other thing is that at like the very end she has like a flashback to the serial telling her like leave this world a better place than you found it and that ripped me to shreds like don't bring the serial back into this because i'll cry yeah i'll cry every time and i did when i read that (laughs) yes same same (laughs) just um yeah, it was it was sweet. It was a sweet memory, but I don't know. I'm just I'm happy for Feyre, honestly. Like I don't really have that much else to say. Yeah, I feel like her and Reese are kind of like wrapped up. Like yeah. it's a wrap. But yeah. let's just we can go ahead and talk about Reese too. I mean, okay. same thing for him. I don't feel like there was a lot going on for him. I did like that he went and like confronted Tamlin twice. Oh, yeah, that was good. Like twice. That was right? good. The second time was like he was actually very nice. Yeah. So I'm going to like, I didn't like that one as much, but <laughs> um, <laughs> that was like the only real thing I feel like he did. I feel like everyone in this book is just like hanging out. No, I agree. And like, I'm just looking at what I wrote down for Reese and I honestly don't have that much that's, I don't know. Like, I feel like he wasn't a big part of like the plot. I just have like tidbits. The first one is at the very beginning, like his first scene that he is the telling the story, he continues to talk about, quote, burying himself in Feyre as they flew through the night sky. <laughs> They're like having sex in the air. And it felt so forced to me. I just, uh, like, we get it. Exact way. Yeah. I feel like a lot in my head, like whenever I think about this book, I thought we got that scene. Because that's how like vividly I remember him talking Same. about it. But Same. we don't – it's not like a real scene. And yeah. yeah, it feels very forced. A lot of their romance and this one just feels like almost – it's almost like for what? Like why are you still I agree. About even, even to me, the last scene like in the cabin, I didn't need that for this book. I mean like whatever if she wants to add that because yeah, it was fine. like Spice. But – but I, honestly, I didn't feel like it – I mean, I guess it did add to the plot. I don't know. I I just didn't feel like he had too many 
roles in things. Like all of the scenes that he was in, I felt like impacted other people. So he kind of wasn't like the main character in any, That's any of how the parts I felt. he was in. And I, miss, I don't like that because I miss him being the main character. But yeah. there was another thing that I saw online about how people who were enemies to lovers be fans – as soon as there's not conflict, we're out. Like, we're like, okay, oh wrap it up. Like, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you guys did this. Like, what? Congrats. Right. And that's right. No, I can feel now. Completely agree. And it is great to see. Like, he is such a sweet husband and he loves Feyre so much. And that is really nice to see. But, like, we Yawn. have to move on to yes, somebody else. Please. <laughs> like, please. we have to have another enemies to love her because I can't deal with the the peace between the, the lovers. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, another thing. This is quick. Um, his dad, his or his parents, his mom was 19 and his dad was 900 when they were mated. That yeah. never registered me to me before. I somehow... This will come back up, I think. When they talk about any of the Bat Boys is like history, my eyes glaze, glaze over. Same. I don't remember anything. No information is stored. Same. Like I just read this book last weekend. I don't remember that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's because they like brush right through it. I actually made notes this time to try and help remember everybody's backstory, but. Yeah, I would completely agree with you. Like until I did the reread, I did not remember these people's yeah parental kind of like stories, how they came to be. Um, the only thing I remember about Reese's mom is that his or his family is that his dad let his mom like keep his wing her wings unclipped or something, mm-hmm. like saved her from getting her wings clipped, and that's all I remember. Yeah, so, the rest to me is irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. It's hard to keep but track what a of. Weird. 900. That's crazy. Like, Feyre and Reese is because he and Cassian are talking about, like, she's, or Reese is like, she's turning 21, Cassian, like, she's so young, whatever. And Cassian's like, that's nothing to your parents, 19 and 900. Like, that's psychotic. I don't know that we I had to like take she it threw that, that in there to make us feel better about it. No, no <laughs> literally. Reg- I think she did too. Yeah, to like raise our um, threshold a little bit. Yeah, 100% to just kind of, like, desensitize us to it. Um, But the only other, like, funny thing that I I noted is just hit Reese getting kicked out of the sauna after the snowball fight when Feyre's, like, sending him the images. That that scene was actually so fucking funny. (laughs) Like, (laughs) how, like, she just, and it was obviously on purpose, so that's why I liked Mm -hmm. it. But I feel like that was back to their normal banter and shit. And it was just funny to have all the friends involved. This one, I did love how much the friends were just like there hanging out together. There wasn't a bunch of like separation or conflict. So, yeah, yeah, it was like very like feel good book, which is not Mm -hmm. what I'm used to with Sarah J. Mass. So it's kind of hard. I think the first time I read it, I loved it because I was just enraptured with the whole series and the next one was coming out yeah. so I was like whatever but this time I was like kind of fighting to get through it I was like I already know it's a happy ending I know you know I, I know right. it's like a chill book so I'm not like obsessed with flipping through it as quickly as possible no I agree it was actually like hard for me to even get into it which I mean it's what 220 something pages it's so quick it's an afternoon yeah, it, for you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was just a little bit harder to get into, but also like we know what's to come and therefore we can 
be excited, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's Who's next move on our on. roster? Tamlin? Let's, yeah, Tamlin. So what were your thoughts? Okay. I feel so bad for this guy. Oh, my God. Same. And I did the first time I read the books, but I almost feel worse for him this time. I am a Tamlin sympathizer. We've hashed it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I just feel like, was it Lucian that was, like, he shouldn't have, you know, kicked a downed male or whatever? It was yeah. either Lucian or Cass- Cassian. Yeah, I think it was Lucian. And I just feel like Tamlin treats – He's treating people like shit, so I do think that he deserves some level of yeah. what he's gotten, you know, happened to him. Mm-hmm. But this, like, Reese having to beg him to eat and him having to go hunt for his meal is giving yeah. Feyre at the beginning of the whole series, like, ugh. 100%. Um, I guess we'll just have to, like, wait and see what is to come of this, but... I'm in the exact same boat as you. The first time I read this, I was like, good. Like, fuck him. He deserves every <laughs> single bit of this. This time I actually did have sympathy for him. And I agree with you. He treated everybody – like, he got himself to this point, And that's on him and for him to live with. <clears throat> but I do feel bad for him. And I just feel like you – have lost everything and you've sat and just like sulked in your pity party and done all of this. And now I feel like it's time to just like get it back together. Yeah. And Reese and even says that like, yeah, oh. like eat. <laughs> and, and he's like, you can kill yourself after we figured out to all of the shit mm-hmm. with the wall and, and all of that. But like right now we need you to do this. And even Lucian alludes to you're going to need Tamlin as a ally or okay, something like that. I have a question about this. I know that his, territory borders the human lands Mm -hmm. so i understand that like maybe they would need the lands but what could they possibly need otherwise like he has no court he has no army he has he doesn't have anything is he like does anybody exactly does anybody even like live near i don't think so i do not think so and it's really strange because I feel like if if he would have allowed someone to live with him, Lucian would have. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just really weird. I also think it's weird, and this is just a Sarah J. Mass thing that I, that she does. And like, so you go through all this shit, you cause a scene at the High Lords meeting, you act like you're all high and mighty, mm-hmm. and now you're like down and out. After you already, like, helped them with the war and did all this stuff. Right. Now you're down and out. And the one thing you're worried about is if Pharaoh's going to forgive you. Yeah. It no just, chance. It feels, it feels misplaced a little bit. Um, yeah. And maybe it, it's just because now he has time to reflect. Sit. Yeah. Yeah. The, literally. I don't know. But... But, like, that's, that's not get the source together. of your problem. Pharaoh forgiving you is no longer issue you have right much bigger fish to fry so for that to be like what comes out of his mouth the first time his disheveled ass even like says a word <laughs> doesn't sit right with me like you you have a lot more going on and it's kind of gives me the same feeling of like when Tarquin was like mad that Feyre and Reese were mates and like no one actually gives a shit about this girl to be honest and, <laughs> like she's mated 
she's moved on. She doesn't have to forgive you. You have to get off of your ass and rebuild yeah. your court. Okay? Yeah, I agree. I I agree. It's – I sympathize for – like with him, but it is time to get his fucking ass up and work. So yes. There yes. was one other thing that, that you brought up. It is extremely vague. Like what is the current status between the human realms? Like are the Fae just like keeping away from them? I feel like it is really, really vague on – that front um and so that also is looming what they'll work out with the treaty yeah, what's and go on with that yeah and their allies and if tamlin doesn't have anybody to protect the border then i don't know i it just that felt a little bit unanswered to me and like you're just mm-hmm. meant to assume and recess which is weird because that's like what the ha- whole war was about Exactly. And Reese is like, we have peace momentarily, but like what's keeping that peace? Because like you mean to tell me that the Fae just randomly decided that now they're just not going to hunt the hu- – I don't know. Like the – the it feels like a plot hole to me and it just yeah. – it's, it's bothering me. So I agree. I agree. And it's like Lucian is traveling back and forth across the wall it seems like or is there mm-hmm. even still a wall? I don't know. But yeah. it's like they're trying to keep their – some sort of um, like regime over there, almost still. Like someone's in yeah. charge, and yeah, it's just very unclear. But speaking of Lucian, yeah, I I want a book about him. Like I'm so Same. tired of just getting these stupid little tidbits. Uh, like justice for Lucian, and the fact that Pharaoh wants him to be at the manor with everyone, the manor, the townhouse with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, working in Valeris for the night court and for him to be like just rejected by Elaine mm. makes me irate. Like the only reason why he's not coming around is because she makes him feel so unwanted, so unwelcomed. Yeah. And he, he obviously wants to do what's best for her. That's his mate. So he just leaves. Mm. And now Tamlin doesn't want him. So now he's stuck with this band of fucking rejects from the war (laughs) he deserves so much better and he has already been through the shit like he's already been through it he doesn't need to keep going through this elaine is pissing me off so bad it's like why will she not even give him a chance why will she give asriel a chance or this grayson kid a chance but she won't even give lucy an, like what's wrong with him why like you don't know him at all no you don't and he gave up everything from the spring court to help protect pharah and come be mm-hmm. by your side and you know like work t- to win this war and like actually help get tamlin on their side and, like do all this shit yeah he's a, the perfect person like he's the perfect character yeah. i don't have anything bad to say about him and she's a fucking cunt for, like, not opening his gift. I agree. Like, it it really, like, it's pissing me the fuck off. And <laughs> like, we can go ahead. We can move right into her character if you would like. Okay. Okay. Um, like, so I'm, I'm still looking for a personality trait. Um, yeah. Here we are, Ashlyn. It's book four. We, what do we know about her? Like, TikTok is not well. What do you mean Elaine is your favorite character? What do you mean? No, I don't know. Because the fact that whenever, like, we're begging 
for a sentence to come out of her mouth. <laughs> and when it does, our jaws drop and everyone in the room turns and looks at her. Mm-hmm. That is so insane. She has been around this entire time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. The people of TikTok are just not fucking okay, actually. And yeah. let me tell you, this is a side tangent about my personal life. But <laughs> I did have a TikTok that um, got some views recently. Like last week or the week before, I posted one. And it's gotten like 140,000. It's like a med, med student oh, TikTok kind damn. of. Oh, damn. Okay. These there's these men in the comments that are saying that like women can't be doctors and uh they can't be good partners and they shouldn't be like they should only be mothers and how I'm gonna get divorced and my uh, they feel bad for my what? child like all kinds of shit. People on the internet are not okay. So everything that has been said <laughs> on TikTok. About this, like, I am now applying this new TikTok knowledge that I have of, like, the fucking general public, mm-hmm. applying that to book talk as well. Like, these people are unwell. Okay. They they don't know anything. They probably put Elaine as number one on their list to get a view. Like, they, there's no, no way literally. they believe that Elaine is the superior, even of the Archeron sisters, much less, mm-hmm. like, better than more, better than Amarin. You're joking. No, you're so right. They're putting it there to get engagement because they know people are going to roast them in the comments and then therefore like they've yes. their shit's gonna get shown to more people. Okay, first of all, as soon as we get off this podcast, I'm gonna be bought myself over to your comment section because okay. I need to chat with some of these men. Um, that's not okay. It's really but just you're one right. guy. There's a lot of people like responding to him, but there's another guy on there too. So it's just two, but it's still, mm. like, really crazy. Like, people are, like, actually insane. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's awful. And I've got some choice words for those people. But anyway, back to Elaine. She sucks. And the shit with Azriel is pissing me off so bad. Like, why? It's... I, I hate it, and it pisses me off because she every time Lucian comes around, she gets all clammy and like freaks out because he's like acts like he's some sort of predator. But <laughs> Asriel, like the man doesn't also doesn't speak. He's cloudy and shadowy and like mysterious. What, what do you see in him? Because Lucian's giving you space, and he's mm-hmm. he's still present, but like he's giving you space. He's like offering everything that you're asking for i just don't know it's it's beyond me and even pharaoh like makes a comment like you won't even sit down you won't even have a conversation with him and it like pisses elaine off and i don't know like you're gonna give the time of day to asriel but it but like you're saying it's not like lucian is cassian and is all up in her shit and like being crazy or anything (laughs) yeah Yeah. He's giving her the the same amount of space and distance and respecting her wishes and being polite. So, I don't know. She's pissing me no. off. And-, and the thing with Azrael is, like, there, the cult following that he also has, mm-hmm. I don't know where mm-hmm. that comes from. Because, like, now in this book, I feel like there's, like, a tiny, 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 tiny hint of, like, a real personality from him. Yeah. Actually, even in Akawar, there was, like, he kind of had that little – yeah, personality with 
Pharaoh, like when he was teaching her how to fly and stuff, you kind of got to know him a little bit. Yeah. But what I'm wondering, everyone has been literally sucking this man's dick for four books with no personality because he's like, mm-hmm. oh, he's like the the strong, silent, shadowy man. Mm-hmm. So when he does develop a real personality, do they abandon ship? Mm. Like, That's a good is question. It, is it the mystery that you like? Like same thing with us and like the enemies to lovers. Like is it the mystery that is alluring you? Wow. Yeah. That's a good call. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer, but I feel like maybe. Because what if this guy like has a personality, like his personality ends up being like he's a fucking nerd. Oh my God. That you would just wish that he was still standing in the corner. <laughs> no, literally. And it's like the thing about Azriel is even if you got his POV, you know that outwardly he doesn't really express whatever it is he's thinking or feeling so his personality is going to have to change in order to like get to know him because he's going to have to have conversations oh my god and say his thoughts yeah how do you write from pov of a guy who just like never speaks like of yeah. course you can be like in his head but but he yeah, has he's gonna to have to do a lot more interacting point. yeah <laughs> exactly exactly so anyway okay we've gotten we've moved on to Azrael, but i'm not ready yet so um Let's let's stick with the, our sisters. And one thing also about Elaine is that Nesta has now also like somewhat turned on Elaine, like the one person who she actually would outwardly care about. Yeah. And now she's kind of even not doing that so much. So let's move to Nesta. Um, I'm going to let you Nesta, go first. I feel like this is more of your realm. Yeah. So – let me also say, I know we or I keep saying the first time I read this book, but it's just true. Like the first time I was like annoyed with Nesta and like, oh my God, like she needs to stop acting this way. And that's so annoying. But this time around, I have like, it hurts my heart how I just feel like Nesta is broken, truly. Like to me, Nesta and Tamlin are in the same place mentally. It's just that they're showing it outwardly in two different ways. And it makes me so sad for Nesta. Like, I'm not upset with her anymore. I just, like, want to give her a hug. I'm so happy that someone feels that way for her. Um, (laughs) Because it's not fucking me. It sure as hell is not me. No, like you – for Nesta to pretend like this thing with their father only happened to her and she's That's the only point. person going through this. Like you have two sisters that had the same dad as you and one that was way more involved in this whole entire war. And just yeah. because he came sailing back in on a ship with your name on it doesn't mean that this is more important to you or that you were more affected by it than anybody else. That is a very, very solid point um, against what I'm saying. I just <laughs> – I still feel like – I feel like Lesta, Lesta – Nesta does not have any, like, coping mechanisms no, besides – coping mechanisms on zero. Yeah, like, Nothing. besides – Alcohol? 
alcohol and sex with random men. Like that is truly like her only way that she's coping and it's so unhealthy. Like her entire headspace is unhealthy. Yeah, it's so bad. And like she's living in some like nasty ass apartment. When she they they would pay for her to do whatever she like live wherever she wanted if she would just do Mm -hmm. the fucking work that she promised that she would do as their emissary. Yeah. Like she's just not she's just not participating in life. That's what they say in the hospital whenever you're like you're not eating, you're not doing the right things. Like you're not you're not participating in things that are compatible with living your life normally like you are a danger to yourself yeah i feel like she actually is and she doesn't realize that she thinks that everything that she's doing is justified she doesn't want anyone to interfere and i understand that like everyone has to go through their stuff on their own but she's not even facing it head on she's just burying it deeper and deeper totally and And at what point does she just explode yeah, no, I, do, I, I don't want to be around when that happens. I think that Cassian said it best. Like, he knows a wounded animal when he sees it, and that's truly how she's acting. Like, she's got so much shit going on, she can't have anybody around. Like, you know, she lashed out at Feyre at the bar. She lashed yeah. out at Cassian after Solstice. She even, like, went as far as to say some shit to Elaine. Like, she is that not That part really fucked well. with me with the Elaine yeah. thing because she's the – Elaine is the only person that has ever given her a shred of sympathy. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And for her to, like, basically bite the hand that feeds her, literally – it kills me. Actually, yeah, the one that actually feeds her, uh, Feyre, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you're fighting the the hand that feeds you emotionally and the one that feeds you financially. You got to pick one. <laughs> you can't just be out here all alone. But, yeah, I, I, I knew that whenever she was being fucking weird in the, the end of the last book that this is what was going to uh-huh. happen. She was going to spiral. Yeah. I need her to not. I need her to just snap out of it. Like, yeah. somebody is going to have to buck up and force her out of whatever this headspace is. Like, truly, I don't care if they have to, like, chain her to a wall and force her to speak about her feelings or just talk to them about anything yeah. just to be able to help her. But, like, that's what it's going to take because if it's up to her, she's not going to be seeking help, like, in any any way, shape, or form. No, I agree. I obviously I don't I want the best for her, but like I just don't have as much sympathy for her as, as you know. I do. Yeah. But <laughs> to be honest, like she never made it there for me before. Like I didn't have this like love and respect for her prior. So now yeah. like, she's just kind of digging herself in this deeper hole. Yeah. And it's it's rough. It's definitely rough. And the way that she treated Cassian at the end, whenever he was trying to give her a gift, like no, that no. that broke me when he like gets pissed off and throws it in the water. Like, first of all, what was the gift? I yeah, might have wanted that? that, but he just threw it <laughs> in the river. Um, let's go ahead and talk about Cassian. So that shit with Nesta. Like, that broke me for him. And I know that Cassian also, like, he puts up a a facade. He's, like, the happy guy or whatever, um, yeah. the comedic relief. But, like, he obviously is hurting. And I love slash hate that nobody will really, like, confront him about it or, like, say anything. But they're all, like, very observant and aware that something's going on there. This book it was so obvious. They are literally mates. Like, they are. Yeah. 
And mm-hmm. there was nothing that anyone can do about it. Like Pharaoh was just like, they have to be, right? Like they have to be. Right. Right. Yeah. I feel like it's you so don't crazy. have like especially for Cassian, there's why else would he give a fuck? Like he's not really the, no, the kind of guy. He's not. And I like I'm I'm such a writer for Cassian no matter what he does. But the fact mm-hmm. that we get to see this glimpse of him in this book where he is going to the Illyrian war camps and making sure that the women or the females, whatever, <gasps> yeah. are getting training and yeah. he's going to die on that hill even if like every single general in the Illyrian war camp hates him for it. Yeah. I just love him. I feel like he's doing such good work on in so many different parts of his life. Yeah. And I need him to drag Nesta out of it because – they're both they both have the capabilities of being that way. She could channel <sighs> her bossy bitchy personality into being something like yeah. that. And Cassian to me feels like not the only one who could take it, but like who could just take it and it not be phased or bothered by it. Like he can kind of take it on the chin and just yeah. literally keep going and minding his own business. Cassian and the training the females is the best thing. And like we finally get his full backstory with his mom, which is so freaking sad. Um, So sad, yeah. But I love that we finally like got to get his backstory. It was so sweet that he went in and like paid for all the winter clothes from Emery's store and like just told her to go deliver them. He is a precious, precious angel. And Nesta. Really needs to figure it out. Like she does because she doesn't at this point she does not deserve him. Oh my god, and she knows she's gonna have to earn earn it for me to be on board with the relationship. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> He's my favorite. Again, he brings the comedic relief. Like he does not take anything seriously. No, not one one little like tidbit for him that was so fucking funny is at solstice and reese is like the keeper of the gifts and Feyre's asking about it and they're like well we had to do that 200 years ago we call amarin shaking the gift and she's like no what you didn't say 10 minutes earlier was cassian <laughs> sniffing the gifts like what a maniac i know he's psychotic i love it same, same. So um, the only other thing that I wrote for Cassian is that the rumblings amongst the Illyrians, that makes me so nervous. I don't know what's going to happen with all yeah, of that. but I'm interested in like what actually ha- – like what would be the consequences of the Illyrians rising up? Is it, Would it be mm-hmm. like a revolt only against the Night Court and like Valeris? I don't understand mm. the hierarchy or rather the political setup. Of yeah. the Illyrians, they just seem like rogues. They kind of do their own thing. So, like, who do they revolt against? Like, who is their governing body? Right. And it's interesting, too, because um, later on in the book, it's talking about one of the other, like, camps. The um, Iron Crest is a rival of the Windhaven camp, which is where, which is like Devlin's mm-hmm. camp where they continue to go. And I'm not quite sure if rival means rival in the sense that like they just think that they're better than them at at fighting and like being warriors or rival in the sense that like they disagree on things so it's kind of just like not really clear what the setup is or what like a a civil war would mean i i don't know like it's hard to picture because i feel like we don't really have like the yeah we don't like know enough um, about them to like make that conclusion yeah exactly so i guess we'll just have to see because i felt like she was really setting 
that up in this book. Yeah. The, yeah, the she unrest. Was. Yeah. And I also like that we get to see like Cassie and Azriel and Reese like go to the war camp together again. I like seeing mm-hmm. them together doing stuff and like Same. being bossy. And then like whenever Cassian tells Devlin something, he's like, is that an order? And Reese is like, if Cassian says it's a fucking order, it's a fucking order. Like, Bitch. there's no question. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, 100%. And I also didn't really put together in the, until the end of this book that Asriel doesn't necessarily associate himself with the Illyrians anymore, which makes sense. Like, Cassian does because he's the general. But yeah. Asriel is the shadow singer. Like, he goes out and he does that for Reese. So he's not really, like, involved with with them. the Illyrians yeah. that much. Another thing about the backgrounds that like the character backgrounds that totally slipped my mind was Azrael's. I don't really remember anything. I just mm-hmm. feel like he was like locked in some sort of room for a long time. Yeah, he was locked in the room and it was like his mom I could pull it up on my notes. It would take me 20 minutes to to find no, the, okay. the note okay. that I made for it. But also in this book, I guess we're talking about Azrael now. So Reese or Azriel is going to go somewhere, Rose Hall, and Reese is like, buy her a gift from me and like put it on my tab this time. You have to assume that that's his mother that he's going to yeah, see. It seemed like it. But you don't ever really know, I guess. I, I mean, she was intentionally vague, but I felt like for Azriel, like she was setting up more for future books. Um, like she also mentions that no one knows where Azriel got his shadow singer abilities. So mm-hmm. to me, that I can only yeah, I can only conclude that like we're going to have to go on that journey to try and figure that out. Or <laughs> I don't know, but I don't know because yeah, we like never you, heard back from the friend at the Christmas party or the sister of Vivian. Like there, there are just things that sometimes she says that never really get wrapped yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I feel like Azriel, she was hinting at some things for him, but still, like, we just, like, he doesn't do, he's, he's the Elaine of the Bat Boys. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Um, But as far as the rest of the friends go, those are my, those are my only two, like, real complaints. Like, Elaine and Azriel and Nesta, like, I, I can complain about, complain about them all yeah. day. But the other friends on this book, I feel like were good. Like more mm-hmm. as usual, my queen, my angel. Like yeah. I, I have nothing bad to say about her. I do hate that Kier has Kier or Care. I don't Kier. I don't know. Yeah, has any sort of like control over her emotional state whatsoever. Same. If I was her, I would have had Reese missed him. Like. A hundred years ago. hundred percent. I You can only hope that there will come a time in one of these books where more just decides like that's – I've had it and – And loses her shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because up until this point, like I cannot believe she has not killed him yet. No. Why, why does she allow him to live? There's no reason for it. Especially if yeah. he still treats her like shit. If he was – if he was at least – accepting of the fact that she and Reese are like in charge of him, then maybe mm-hmm. I would be like, okay, that's fine. But no, he's constantly putting her down and treating her like shit yes. and like loving it. And I hated mm-hmm. that she is like contemplating not leaving because whenever he comes to town, cause she almost just wants to prove a point. 
I it's know. Just sucks. Yeah, and I also I agree. Law- I- oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, I hate that that is having any impact on her. That like she's afraid that she's gonna look like a coward if she goes, but like she wants to go, and the fact that it probably will come off to him that she's just not there because she, she can't handle it. He, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I hate that. And why do I feel like it's a setup for her to be gone? Like, I cannot have her gone the whole next book. And I genuinely don't remember if that happens or not. Same. But it's kind of setting it up to be for her to not be there. I completely agree. I forgot about this. I had no memory of this happening whatsoever. I also don't remember if she is away in the next book. So um, that was like a, a genuine surprise for me all over again. But I don't want her to be away. Like, she's a no. vital part of yeah, this she's series. everything to me. <laughs> 100%. And we got to see the – what's it called? Athelwood. She has, like, her own estate. Yeah. With ho- she's like a horse rider? I did not remember that either. Mm-mm, me um, either. But hopefully that comes into play later on in the story. The only other thing that I wrote about her is that when she's, like, riding her um, little horse, Elia, which is such a cute name. Such a cute um, name. She sees, like, this shadow in the woods. Do you think it's Bryaxis? I have never thought of that. I was scared of the shadow. Same. <laughs> um, but if it is Bryaxis, that would make me mm, very happy. Yeah, no, same. I I couldn't figure out what it is, and I can speculate based off of what I do remember about the next book, which I will not state here for obvious reasons, but um, <laughs> that was my only other thought is like, maybe it's Bryaxis, so I guess yeah, maybe we'll it have is. to wait and see. <gasps> yeah. That would be fun if they came back. I know. <laughs> um, I know. The last character that we have to discuss is Amryn. She was an icon in this book. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. Like, she, the last two books, she's been eating the girlies up. Like, she, no one stands a chance. <laughs> <laughs> she's so fucking funny. I have to say, I saw a new fan art of her recently that was so good. Oh, I want to see it. I'll have to – it'll have to just pop back up on my feed. I certainly did not save it, but she was <laughs> hot, and she looked way different than how I typically picture her, and so it's, like, completely changed the way that I think about Amron in, like, the best way. So I was thinking of her, like, that way the whole time I was That's reading interesting this. interesting because I feel like all of the fan art I've ever seen of her is very similar to each other. 100%. Um this one I'll have to find it somewhere if I if I can and I'll send it to you or maybe I'll post it. Who knows? But obsessed. Like the way oh. that I picture her personality with this particular um fan art was so good. But does she I have um lip injections like most of the fan art? Of you know she does and she's got her <laughs> eyebrows done too. <laughs> um but she is so superficial, like so materialistic. It is everything. I want to know desperately what Varian's gift was to her Me that too. nobody got to see. <laughs> I know. And like for Reese to go and just like buy her the whole entire jewelry store. <laughs> I loved it. She definitely deserved it. She saved their asses. Literally. But 
I genuinely like, I loved everyone showering her with gifts and just like giving her the respect and love that she deserves and yeah. for her to just be like, mm, yep, I deserve it. <laughs> exactly. She's like, thank you. Yeah. This is mine. And love, I love, loved love. that she brought Varian to Starfall. Like, she's like, Varian's going to be here. No one's saying anything about it. Deal with it. Yeah. This is Taylor and Travis. This oh is like, God. they are. You do not expect her to publicly be dating anybody. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, she's in love with this random man. She, she's Huge smitten. random man. And. What I continue to like come back to is could they be mates? Because I know she's not technically like of this world, but like their fate system that hooks them up with the mates is fucked up. Like Reese and Pharaoh were mates and she was human. So it's not necessarily out of the question that Amarin could have a mate in this world. I don't know. Just something, it's something that keeps me up at night. Like, yeah, I need to know. I would love that for her. I was cracking up. Like, I love how much she hates being Faye. <laughs> like, she's like, Same. I'm here for y'all and to, like, experience this. But this shit's kind of ghetto. Like, I don't want to have to eat. <laughs> I don't want to have to take a shit. Oh, my God. The taking a shit scene I did not remember that, but when she just like so brazenly is like, I don't like the results of eating either. And Azriel and Cassian like make eye contact and smile and then like look back down at their plates and then innocently Elaine like asks, like, what do you mean the results? So fucking funny the whole entire scene. I love that they all just finally like busted out laughing because uh-huh. they couldn't hold it in anymore. And then Elaine yeah. had had the audacity to be embarrassed. Like, bitch, you you walked straight into that one. Yeah, like, aren't, aren't you usually like off pondering? Why don't you ponder for a second before you ask a question? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Amryn was everything in this book. Absolutely love her. I just felt like, like you said, like she slayed every scene. She slayed every scene, every single scene. So that's that's kind of all we have for our little character wrap up. Um, okay. So we'll move into our uh, let's play favorite section. Who was your favorite character this time? Cassian. Like, sorry, he's so fucking funny. I have to have more like the shit with Nesta has to get sorted out and therefore I'm obsessed with him because like I I can't let it rest so that's me I agree this book makes me care about nothing else especially the ending like all I cared about when this book ended was what is happening with Cassie and Nesta and Mm -hmm. when I read this the first time Silver Flames was not out yet and so (gasps) that was a cliffhanger for a while but I agree it's not necessarily like enemies but they're not on good terms and so of course I'm interested 100% like they are the allure of this series now exactly exactly like no one else okay how about you Amarin shock and awe I know everyone is so surprised she just (laughs) she can't like you can't have a character that good yeah her not be my favorite again I will follow the leader. Like, I am attracted to the leader. And she, in this book, was that. I completely agree. No, she's so good. And I've, it was nice to see 
her in a more relaxed state. Like she was able to have kind of some more, I don't know, like one-liners and just like little things that she said. It was perfect. Like It was great. Yeah. She was amazing. Yeah. Okay. What was your favorite scene? This is so fucking funny because I answered this. If, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, which it shouldn't be because this is like the fourth book in the series, we do favorite scene and least favorite scene. And I wrote my favorite scene before I read Katie's least favorite scene. And they are, in fact, the same scene. <laughs> so, okay, let go me, on. Let me plead my case first. Okay. I loved the scene where Farah goes to the tavern and confronts Nesta mm-hmm. because, like we're saying, she need Nesta needs somebody to snap her the fuck out of it. Like, yeah. you need to realize that this is not normal. This is not healthy. This is not getting you anywhere. You're hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. And Farah in the previous books has had, like we talked about earlier, a way to get, you know, a purpose, like a, a way to get like – this kind of energy out of her and she didn't do that for a while in this book and then she finally was like you know what if no one else is going to get her down here for solstice like i'll fucking go do it i'll go drag her ass i don't care if i have to bribe her plead pay her off like i'll do anything right and she does she goes in there she makes a fucking scene and then she pays back her debts three times as much as she promised yeah so i loved that and Nesta like actually getting riled up about it was hilarious because I feel like she's been so like what's the word I'm looking for unbothered unbothered but almost like muted yeah like where she's usually she's usually fiery and will speak up and say whatever the fuck she wants she's almost just been like a little bit deluded because she's so yeah she's just like going through all this shit so she finally is like lashing out against Feyre and I was like thank god like you're in there and we know that you're in there now mm-hmm. and that just made me feel better and then she did end up coming to Solstice so it all worked out but I love when she was like is your dog gonna wait outside all night <laughs> oh my god wait I have to say something because in that moment I think this is this is related in my mind. And Esther says, like, where one goes, the other will go. And mm-hmm. so she says, like, that's how she knew. But also we're forgetting about the fact that in Akawar, Nesta somehow knew that Feyre had gone into Lucian's mind. Somehow Nesta just knew, like, what had happened. Yeah. And I feel like Nesta has some kind of, like, extra sense for some. Oh, somehow, yeah, she probably like, does. We don't really know what her power is, do we? Like, it's just kind Mm-mm. of this weird, scary power. Yeah, it's just out there, like, floating around in the universe, yeah. untapped and unknown. So, <laughs> and but I can definitely see what, what you're saying. Like, that was kind of it for Feyre. She's like, fuck this. Like, if this bitch is not going to do anything, I'm just going to go take care of it. So, yeah. I can see that. What about yours? What was your fave scene? Okay, I just love like the whole solstice scene, like the gifts in particular. I've I've meant to mention this earlier, but the fact that Moore is a terrible gift giver is so fucking funny. <laughs> you would, her gifts, it's so funny because she does seem like a material girl. Like you would think that she would be in on what everybody wants. 
100%. Her giving Azriel monogrammed towels? Are you joking? Like, I loved it. It was so, so funny. But I just love like the whole gift scene. Everybody like so excited to give their gift and the conversations that they were having. I just loved it. It was it was giving Christmas and it was it just was. happy. It was very Christmassy. Um, and like the, gets you in the holiday mood. Yes. hundred percent. So that was my favorite. I just thought it was really sweet. And if I'm being honest, like it was hard to pick a favorite and a least favorite because everything in this book was kind of like low stakes or just, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, let's talk some shit again. Not really, but you know, we can always a nitpick. little bit. Yeah, we can pick. <laughs> um, since so, I pled my case, you can go ahead and plead yours for why the okay. tavern scene was your least favorite. Okay. I, it's pr- not really anything new. It's what I've pretty much already said, but like Nesta is going through it and her lashing out at favor because I also put for least favorite scene is like her and Cassian after solstice. I just hate it. Like I hate the just like being a cunt, but also like like you said, at least I feel like when someone's hurting, like you would rather them scream and yell at you than not say anything at all. Like it's better that they're at least saying something, whether it's, you know, like biting your head off or not. But, um, I don't know. I just hate it. Like I hate the, the discord between Nesta and literally every single person who's not a random man in a bar. So that's the reason why I hate it. It's not necessarily like a like I enjoyed reading like the, the scenes. Scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's more so just kind of like the feelings that are that lie underneath. So what that was your sense. least favorite scene? Okay. I do not understand this. And that's probably what this choice or the selection like stems from. But when Feyre decides that she's gonna give Reese the picture of what she saw in the Ouroboros of herself. And it's, like, some sort of, like, black creature. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, oh, my God, like, I love this, like, blah, blah. And he just, like, knows what it is. Like, and she's, like, oh, this is a part of me that no one else is ever going to get to see. Like, I'm sharing this with him. Who the fuck cares? Okay. It was very, um, like, a self-centered gift to give someone. It's, like, did he ask for that? I thought the he exact bought same you thing. an estate. <laughs> you painted him a picture of your self portrait of what you saw in a mirror. Like, what is with the Ouroboros? <laughs> That's so so funny. Like, what the fuck? I, that pissed me off. I was like, you couldn't come up with something better to give, and it's it's it kind of goes along with the painting thing, like. The painting thing is your thing for you, your therapy, mm-hmm. your outlet. It doesn't count. <laughs> it's like a gift. No, to I other agree. People. Like the tapestry would have been a far better gift than this painting. Yes, that's exactly what he should have gotten for solstice. Yeah, I agree. That's so fucking funny. I had the exact same thought. I was like, did he? I don't know. Like, I'm not sure if he would want to hang this up in the house you know it just felt like a little bit it was really weird like what does he do with it now yeah that's so funny i love that i love that you put that (laughs) and what yeah so next shit talking section is what's like one thing about the plot or the book that you hated 
or or would want to change. Okay, I let me say, I get it. I hate the I I hate dual POV. Period. I hate it. Um, but this was like multi POV written, some in first person, some in third person. And I understand why she had to do it that way because she had already set herself up to where Reese and Feyre had spoken in first person in the other books. And it would have been too much to have everybody speak in first person. Um, But I still hated it. I don't. I disagree. If you're already speaking in first person, you can you just think everybody should. Especially if you're in the same book. It would be different if this book was just from Reese and Vera's point of view and we got first person and then the next book was from Cassian's point of view or yeah. Nesta's point of view and the whole book was in third person. But yeah, if it's this it, same book and I'm having to like change my bird from my, my view to a bird's eye yes. view, I hate that. Yes, I, that was that really was like throwing me off. And I remember I hated it the first time. The only way I like a dual POV or multi POV is if the entire book is written in third person, I can deal with it then because like you're not reading I, because then you do have to literally shift your mentals to be like, oh yeah, yeah. this isn't the main character. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, whoever. So that really was, that was my biggest thing. What about you? We already talked about this, but I could not deal with the amount of times that she brought up what she was going to name the painting of a scene. Mm. Like, why are you naming everything like you mm, I hated it and then there was this line that she used about the painting of her and Reese and I think she had said it in the book before this night triumphant and the stars eternal like what the fuck are you talking about the, shut up she said it multiple times. Like, this is the <laughs> second time she has used this line so I know she thinks it's good but it, I'm here to say <laughs> it is not good. It is so fucking cringe. Stop saying shit like that. I completely agree that the naming of the paintings and she did it, like you said, several times in this book and it's too much. Like we don't give a fuck. No, we don't give a fuck. And why like, just describing yourself and Reese as night triumphant and the Ew. stars eternal just because you have on a sparkly dress that Ew. you've worn. This is the third time she, she has now worn this thrice. <gasps> Get over it. <laughs> the moment has the passed. The goddamn star ball dress. I completely agree. Like, it's given me the ick. I, it's And the part where, like, Reese was saying that his mom made all the dresses, that was kind of sweet. Yeah. But surely she made more than two because she's only worn like two. <laughs> yeah, the Starfall dress, it's got to go. Like, it has run its course. It was gorgeous <laughs> the first time, but like, we're yeah, over like, it. You can't keep re wearing this, like, designer gown. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, surely to God they can afford an another dress. So it's time to move on. Okay. Did you have any hot takes? from this book i don't think i have any left that i haven't already hashed out yeah um, not that i can really think of but i know okay, you have I, some i i don't 
really even know if this is a hot take. This is a hot take for myself personally, but just the more so like the baby thing didn't put me off in this book. It did the first time I read it. This time it didn't because I genuinely feel like this is what's next for Reese and Feyre and I just feel yeah. like this is this is next. I don't know. That's that's honestly my hot take and the only reason I think it's a hot take is because literally everyone hates a pregnancy trope and yes. authors need to in general stop writing them in. Totally agree. Um yeah, I like I still don't love it. I don't think it's necessary, but I think it's part of her way of moving them into the next phase of life and kind of like making them giving them an exit from the main stage, which is yep. fine, but it's just like really strange. And I I know it's coming quickly because it keeps getting brought up, but it's just funny the way that Sarah J. Mass is like, no one has mates except for every single main character here. And no one can get pregnant in the Fae except for exactly whenever I want them to, right whenever they get married because she's 21 years old. Like, I know right. it took everyone else hundreds of years, but, like, Pharaoh could probably get pregnant as soon as she wants. Yeah, 100%. It's – yeah, I agree. It feels – it's a little convenient. It's contrived, but, um, yeah. Yeah, but here we are. So, yeah, not uh, – like I said, it's more of a hot take for me, myself, personally, because yeah, when not I read really it this like time, I was like – the group, but yeah. Yeah, I was like, wow, can't believe I feel that way. But nevertheless – Okay, let's talk about our overall thoughts. We'll do stars and chili peppers. What did you think? The first time I read this book, I was like four stars. I like really, really liked it. I think this time I'll give it 3.5-ish. Mm -hmm. um, I, I still don't hate it. Like a lot of people hate this book, but I don't hate it. I mean, it's definitely just like kind of a palate cleanser version of yeah. normal Sarah J. Mass, but... I think it's necessary to move the plot forward. She probably could have yeah. combined it into the front of the next book, but if she is going to swap POVs, I don't know. I, I think it's necessary. Yeah, yeah um, I agree. Easy, what about fun, chili peppers? light. Chili pepper. Okay, I thought there was like four sex scenes in this book for some reason <laughs> because they talk about it so much, I think. So then in my head, I was just remembering them all. Um, yeah. It's like a 0. 0.5. <laughs> Literally, like the lowest that the scale can go. There's <laughs> one scene. Yeah. Uh, and it's like at the end. And honestly, it's not too detailed either. So I don't know. It 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 was yeah. definitely not spicy. I completely agree. It was I don't like, think it was spicy. And there was like it was almost corny the amount of they were they were like talking about it, but not like there was no like real scenes. It was just like kind of corny. I completely agree with that. I thought it was corny too, more so just like the talk and the like innuendos and, and yes. things that were going on, especially like yeah. through their like Daymati going into their minds stuff. Um, for my rating, this book is interesting because you can't necessarily rate it on this in the same way that you would rate any of the other books because like by its nature, it's not meant to be the best book of your exactly. entire life. Yeah. It's meant to bridge from the end of Akawar mm -hmm. to the beginning of the next book. So I gave it three stars the first time I read it. And I think that that honestly is 
fair. Like, I don't necessarily have anything bad to say about this book, but it's forgettable. Obviously, I forgot a lot of shit from this book. Yeah, and it's not even like – like you said, it's it's not made to be compared to the other ones. It's just made – to further the story along. So I don't yeah. I don't know. People who hate it, I'm just like, mm, I get not wanting to reread it. I totally did not want to reread it, but mm-hmm. it's, it feels necessary to me. Yeah. No, I, no, I've learned a lot in this book that I've completely <laughs> just like written off or completely yeah. forgotten about. So it was important that we reread it. And I'm glad that we did. And we got to have like our little episode where we chit chatted in the beginning and yeah, it's like a can combined wrap up and real book episode. Mm-hmm. So that's been kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously 100%. um time to pick a chaser. We all know where we're going with this. A court of silver flames. <laughs> is mm-hmm. next and it's time to buckle in because i just got it off my bookshelf tonight and it's, the bitch is thick yeah like, she big thick. <laughs> so um, y'all pray for me that i can get through iron flame and a court of silver flames in the time span that i've been given and before i give birth so that we can oh my get this God. episode on the road. <laughs> ash this is gonna be the last podcast book before you're a mama Oh my god! Okay, no pressure. It's actually so scary, <laughs> terrifying experience. Um, no one tells you that. Take yeah. it from me. If you've made it this far in the episode and you're considering getting pregnant, do it. But just know going in, like, scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So maybe me and Vera can go through this little journey together. Totally, and that'll be that. Yeah, hundred percent. Any final thoughts? All right. No, I don't have any final thoughts. I'm extremely excited for Silver Flames. Um, I'm, I don't want to say too much, so I'll leave it at that. Okay, I'm excited too. I can't wait, and I'm excited about Iron Flame, and I I will stay off the club Instagram. If you guys want to DM Katie about it, please do. I know she wants to get mm-hmm. something off her chest, and then once yeah. I read it, I will go through the DMs as well and like kind of you know, just, just yeah. be nosy and see what everyone's saying. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's all we have, guys. Thank you all so much for tuning into the club, the book club podcast that hopefully won't put you to sleep. Um, we're so excited to kick off this podcast with all of SJM um, and get ready for the eventual release of Crescent City 3 in January. Mm-hmm. So um, if you guys have any friends or family who you want to convince to read these books, let them know about this podcast as well. Um, we're available on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. We're hoping to get back to video episodes in January or February. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that is on our horizon and we'll be able to do clips again on Instagram. Um, if you have books that you want us to read after January and review on the club, just submit those to our um dms at girlies of the club on instagram or you can send it to our gmail at um the club girlies at gmail.com you got thank it thank you guys so much for listening i hope you'll have a great day all right guys we will see you next time bye bye, bye.